I'm going to take a little bit of pressure off you today. My, my goal is to take some pressure off you. We're in this uh, series called The Way of Jesus. We're walking through the book of Mark. And one of the things that I've seen is that if you've been on this journey uh, with Jesus for a while, you feel this pressure. And that pressure is that you're told to share your faith. Do you guys feel that? I've said it from here. I've talked about how important it is to share our faith. And, and I said, we are called to share our faith. I'm not taking that off of you, okay? That's not the pressure I'm taking off of you. We are clearly called to share about Jesus. We're clearly called to share about our salvation. We're clearly called to share our testimony. We're clearly called to go out and do the works. But what we see today is that there is a clear call to do this, but so many of you, and I hope you get some head shakes, will get petrified by that. Like this idea of like, I know I'm supposed to share my faith, but I do not know how to do it. Many of you think that there's an exact way to say it. Many of you think that uh, you're going to get a question that you're not able to answer. So you're like, I'm not doing that. No way am I doing that. Some of you are worried about a person's reaction. Me, myself, that's a big one for me. Like worried about reaction. That's 100%. Uh, some of you find yourself in your thought spiral. Like you feel that like, that like tingling where you're like, I know I'm supposed to say something, but then the thought spiral comes and it vortexes out of control to just silence in my way. And you get petrified. You get immobilized. And that's okay if that's you. I'm going to take some pressure off. You, some of us think we have to have a clear argument. We think we have to have a clever argument. You think that there's some people that know how to do this and other people don't. Some of you think there's a charisma to it. And you're like, if I just had that charisma, I would do it but I don't, so I won't, right? Some of you think there's one perfect way to share it, and if you just knew it, that it would change everything. Or that I have this pressure that if I do share it, that everyone in my life, every single person that I have a realm of influence on is gonna come to know the love of Jesus. But that's not true. Jesus is gonna give us a secret. He's going he's gonna to help us with the courage to do it. He's going to give us a kingdom secret here about sharing our faith. And I think you have to understand this nugget of faith will really help deepen you and will actually give you courage, all right? So let's jump in. Mark 4, 1 through 3. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it, in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables and in his teaching said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. So the crowd is still following him, right? The crowd. And when we say crowd, we're talking a lot of people. And so they're following around. It's this interesting moment because we've talked about this throughout the weeks, but there is a growing hostility. So within the crowd, there's people that are against him and there's people that are trying to figure this thing out. And he's growing enormous popularity enough where he has to go out onto a boat and he's going to preach from there. So they're going around the shore and the water is helping it, helping it go nicely over the water. And Jesus sits and teaches. And many, many people were listening to this. And he said, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came out, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plant. So they did not bear grain. 
Still other seed fell on good soil. It, it came up, it grew and produced a crop. Some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. City folk, you are lucky to have me today. I am, a, I am from Indiana. I didn't grow up on a farm, but I grew up uh, around farms. And so I, I grew up all my life. I worked on farms. And actually, my first job, this is good. You're really in for it. My first job was I worked for a seed company. I've shared this before, but I, I moved 60-pound bags of seed into farmers' barns. That was my job. I was a little dude. I barely weighed more than the 60 pounds. And I remember it was awful work. Farming is awful work, okay? Let's put that down. It's hard work. And I remember grabbing 60-pound bags of, of seed and having to climb through pig's pens with, uh, with pig manure up to my knees, just praying that one of the pigs didn't get a bad idea and, and attack me. Farming is not a glamorous lifestyle. This, that last October, Meg and I and the kids, we went back to Indiana. And it was just kind of at the finish end of harvesting season, so the combines had taken out all the, uh, the fields, but there were still tractors everywhere. And so it's really annoying during these seasons because you get stuck behind tractors. But the fields were already harvested, and what we saw was that there were tractors, and they were either pulling one of two things. They were pulling sprayers, the big canister sprayers, or they were pulling disc plows. Now what is happening? The farmer knows, much like a gardener knows, anyone who works in dirt, it's all about the soil and not about the seed. And so we see this high quality and healthy soil is the basis for successful farming. You have to have this. The seed is the seed in a lot of ways. They're doing a lot of things with modifications to try to make it more powerful. But ultimately, the soil is all that matters. Without good, healthy, ready to receive soil, you're not going to see growth. You're just not. So the sprayers come after the harvest and they just pump some chemicals into the ground to try to get the soil back healthy. Or a more traditional, we see that they till up the soil with these disc plows, which pulls up the weed and takes this hard ground from the summer and makes it soft again. And it mixes the soil and it creates this nutrient soil that's ready to receive a seed next year. Now, when you think about modern day farming, maybe you've been to Eastern Washington or you didn't grow up here, you think of these nice, neat rows of farming, right? You think of these perfectly planted seeds. With technology, it's amazing because we figured this out where it's nice and neat. And so you see these, they're done by these seed planters, these things that are behind there. I actually have a scar on my head from, or my hand from loading seed planters. And they come and with technology, they can shoot the seed perfectly at the right moment in the right distance and depth that they need for a seed to grow within the soil. So when they grow up, you see these nice, neat fields and you go by and it's beautiful. But what we see is that's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is not talking about this kind of farming. When Jesus says the farmer sowed their seed, the seed was broadcasted. It was thrown around liberally around the field. This was done by hand. This is how they would have known it. It's sown not in neat rows, but like modern day fields, but think of like fertilizer. You know when you're laying fertilizer and you have the broadcaster that's going and it's going everywhere. It's going on the, the concrete. It's going into your rhododendrons. It's going everywhere. It's broadcasting this out. It's making it, uh, uh, making it, they're scattering it liberally. And what we see is that the scattering of seed, even within the same farm in some ways, 
there, or, or field, you would see different kinds of soils. And so in his field, it's important to note about note that it's not about the seed. He doesn't talk about the seed. He talks about what? He talks about the soil. Here, Jesus indicates in all cases, the seed is good. It's the soil that's questionable. And so what we see is that not all seed produces a crop. Where does it fall? Some falls on, it says, the well-trotted footpath. You do not, to this day, you do not walk through another man's field. That is something you don't do. In Indiana, if you want a shotgun pulled on you, you walk through the middle of a field that was just planted with seed. All right? This is not what you do. So there would have been paths along around each field where people would have been able to walk that would have been these paths outside the field uh, that you would walk around it. And it would have been packed down and hardened by feet. And so what happens when that seed hits? The seed, remain, the seed remains on the surface and the birds come down and swoop down or, or feet can walk and it can ruin the seed. So the seed's gone. It says some fell on rocky places, right? Rocky places. It, it fell on really low depth so soil, just a thin layer of soil that probably would have had limestone under it, right? And, and so it is, it, you probably would have appeared fertile. You would have looked at this and you said, oh, that's good soil. Uh, it's going to take off. It, it, you would have looked and it would have looked fertile. But what we actually see is it didn't work. It was like Washington State soil. Do you know what I'm talking about? By the second hit, you're like, and your whole body shakes. I hate it out here, man. I, this is tough soil out here. Indiana soil, you don't get like that. What happens when the seed falls on that soil? The seed has no hope against the sun, it says. It scorches the tender plant and the plant is going to be withered. It said, some fell among the thorns. Eventually, a little seed isn't going to be able to turn into what? It's not going to be able to turn into a full plant. It's not going to be able to flourish. flourish. We see thorns and weeds and intrusive plants are going to choke out that plant. Doing what? Making it completely unproductive and eventually killing it off. But some fell on good soil. What happens when it hits good soil? The seed takes root. It grows, it produces an abundant harvest, depending on how good the soil is. It says here that it brought yields of 30, 60, or 100 times that which the seed itself was sown. And so this would have been shocking. Today, these numbers would have been shocking. Back then, it would have been about 10 to 1 ratio. If you planted a seed and you produced 10 to 1 ratio, you had a bumper crop. And Jesus is saying, we're going to go way, way, way beyond that. And so what we see is Jesus is sharing this parable, but not clearly everyone's getting it. So he reveals it a little bit more. Mark 4, 10 through 12. When he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seen, but never perceiving and ever hearing, but never understanding Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. There's a change of scene here that's significant. Jesus gives this special private teaching, which he does often to the disciples, to, to the 12. He's going to pull them around. He's going to say, you need to get this. His inner, secret, his inner circle is given this secret, literally meaning a mystery. And the basic secret is common to all kingdom parables. And this is it. Jesus says, God's rule has come. 
The kingdom has come. Through the person of Jesus, the kingdom has come. And we see through the human experience, there is a new spiritual realm that's happening. The disciples had already believed in Jesus. So they're getting this parable. And because of this, God has given him them the secret. But they're far from understanding the full impact of this. And we're going to break it down. But what we see is he's going to explain the parable more. But first, he does this important thing. And this is going to take a little bit more pressure off you. He, he's going to quote Isaiah 6, 9 through 10, which is the call of the story of the prophet Isaiah. And what we see is that, he, 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 <clears throat> that Isaiah is going to find out that immediately after accepting God's call, Isaiah is told that his ministry will not be well received. You see it here on the screen. Oh, wait, that's 9 through 10. We're not there 13 yet. By quoting this passage in Isaiah, Jesus is saying, People will always be like the Israelites in Isaiah's day. They will have spiritual blindness and deafness. In Jesus' day, there is spiritual blindness and there is deafness. In our day today, there's going to be spiritual blindness and there's going to be deafness. This is the game that is getting played, all right? This is the truth and the reality of the world. This was true in Isaiah's day, it's true in Jesus' day, and it's now true in our day. But that does not mean that we get to go on cruise control. If you read further with Isaiah, you go to 6.13 and you're going to see this, that there's hope because there will always be this remnant. Isaiah 6.13, and though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid waste. But as the terebinth and oak leave stumps when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be the stump in the land. There's this promise of remnant and the holy seed will be the stump in the land. And we read further, you're going to see this. Jesus is the holy seed from whose stump springs forth this new community of believers. And the remnant will always be disciples who recognize Jesus for who Jesus truly is. And he goes on, Mark 4, 13 through 20. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then can you understand any parable? The, father sows the, word, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word, and, and, th and that was sown in them. Others, like seed, sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others like this, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the de desires of other things come in and choke, out, choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Jesus is giving the mystery of the kingdom of God. And he says this, let's start with the farmer. Jesus doesn't lay out who the farmer is, but you can assume that it's Jesus himself. And, and we can read this now as us, right? We're sowing the seed. All of us are called to sow, to proclaim. To proclaim what? The word, the message of God. The seed is the proclamation of the kingdom of God is here. That there is salvation through the person of Jesus Christ. That the word is proclaimed and that there's freedom and that the seed is there for all of us. And what we see is that through this whole story, 
And throughout time, the seed doesn't change. The seed doesn't change. The story of salvation doesn't change. The salvation story is the same. The testimony that there is freedom and liberation and reconciliation to God through only Jesus Christ remains the same. And that there's forgiveness of sin. And that our, our, our eternity is forever changed if we simply believe. But note, this is the message of the gospel. Note, there is no call to be clever with this. There's no call that if we just did it right, that the seed would somehow be more powerful. There's no call that, that if we just had the right words or that we shared our testimony a little bit differently, that somehow the seed would magically become more powerful. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He's declaring this. The farmer will cast the seed broadly and expect a harvest. The seed is the seed. We declare the word of God. We declare salvation. We declare that there is great deal of hope and love and joy in this world. But what happens is we also are called to just share it with a great level of, or without a level of discrimination. We're just supposed to broadcast it. We're just supposed to broadcast it. There's no clever words. There's no, if I shared my testimony different, if I shared it better, that I would be more successful. That's not the promise. The promise is this. We're called to share. What we see is that there will be challenges and there'll be pushback. I always get up here and I always feel like I wish I had better news for you, but there will be challenges and there'll be pushback. Because the soil is the variable. The soil is the inner being of man. The soil is a deep soul issue. It's a deep soul issue. And what we see is that the seed is not the issue. The seed remains the seed, and he lays it clearly. Many people give one of three negative responses to Jesus' message. It says some will hear the word, and with hard-hearted indifference, Satan, like the birds, will come immediately and take it away. There is no response, is what that's saying. How many times have you shared it and that's happened? You've built up the courage and you're like, I'm going to share it and this is going to be amazing and God's going to come a hundredfold and it just falls on hard soil. And they might have heard you, but, the, but Satan comes and stirs up anything in their heart that keeps them away from it. There's no response. How many times have you done that? Jesus is giving us encouragement, though. He's saying, this is going to happen. He's giving us the truth that this is going to happen. He says, others are like rocky ground. A plant appeared to spring up from this thin top soil. You, you see a little bit of a plant, maybe, but what we see is that there's not much discipleship, and there's not much plowing, and the seed can't penetrate or take root, and it's just hitting this rocky soil. And when they hear the word with a hasty, enthusiastic enthusiastic kind of acceptance of it, but what we see is that the word doesn't take root in them. When troubles and the trials of life and hardship, and it says here persecution comes because it was a, a promise as well. It comes and it's like hot sun to them and they quickly fall away. How many times have you seen that? Then we see the, the challenges of soil with undealt with challenges, right? What's next? It says, Others heard the word, but were so preoccupied with the cares and the riches of life that they just fell off. 
Three competing concerns happen outside of the, outside of the kingdom. They're distracted, one, by the worries of life. The worries of life come and they get distracted. This is a temptation for many of us here. Or they fall, decept- they fall to the, the lure of wealth. They, they have the desires of all the things outside of the word. They desire money. They desire status. They desire fame. They desire promotion in their work, whatever that looks like. But what they see is that they also are people that they have, uh, they have thorn plants that enter. And it thrives in their lives. And these thorns rob the seed of water and light and nutrients. And they choke up the plant. These things choke the word. They make them unfruitful. The new growth of the spiritual life finds itself in with, within competition of life's worries. That's what's happening. Now, all of this seems depressing for those who are sowing. When, when you are in a life of sharing the faith, the message of the kingdom will often be rejected or abandoned for many reasons. But it really isn't depressing. Because the call is not to convert people. The call is to sow seed. To sow seed. Because there are times when it's going to hit good soil. Oftentimes it's going to hit bad soil and it's frustrating. It might feel depressing. It might feel like, why am I even doing this? But then it hits good soil. Do you feel that? I feel that in our church. I feel like the seed is hitting some really good soil amongst the young generation in particular. God is moving for those under like 30 right now. I'm telling you, it is power in what's happening. It's falling on good soil. And what happens when we see these results, when the proclamation hits good soil, we see the word is heard, the word is retained, and there's an effort to preserve it. There's an effort to preserve it. And what happens? We see an impressive, fruitful crop. We see extraordinary harvest happening. And we see the power of God working. And when the power of God works, we see outstanding results. Not through our efforts, but through the seed that hit good soil. And there's a bumper crop. The question has to be asked then, what makes good soil? What makes good soil? Because I think it's important for us. I think there's a lot of new believers or there's a lot of people that are on the fence even within here that they're trying to figure this out. So what does make good soil? It's an important question. To look at what makes good soil, I think we have to look at what made the bad soil bad. Good soil moves from hardened to soft. Hardened to soft. To receive Jesus... There has to be a softening of the heart. That is the first step. What we see is that for many of us, life has hardened us. Life has hardened us. And what we see is that we may have trouble trusting because our parents weren't around or our dad left or or something happened to us with somebody that we trusted and now trust is a hard thing to give and God's asking for your trust. Sometimes we have trouble letting go. Sometimes we have trouble uh, just even living in peace and freedom. Some of us have found so much joy in our pain and our suffering that when we get a glimpse of freedom and peace, it's like, I don't even know what that is. And we harden our hearts. Now, what we know is that you're going to be tempted with stuff that, you're, that, you, that you struggle with the most. You in your head might be wanting to believe 
but your heart is like stone. So how does it begin to soften? It starts by being honest with God. Honesty is essential to the softening of hearts. You can't hide anything from God. He's not surprised by anything in your life. He's not surprised and you're not fooling him. Ask the Lord to search you and to reveal the things where you have hardened. Then you take responsibility. Hardened hearts don't repent. Softened hearts do. Repentance has become a no-no in our society. Repentance is the most freeing thing that you could ever experience. Hardened hearts get harder when they're faced with repentance. Soft hearts love repentance. You have to admit when you've sinned against God and not make any more excuses. It's all good. God's open-armed in this. It's not about blaming others. You take responsibility and the real change happens. And then when softened hearts come with wholehearted submission, we come with open hearts, not closed hearts, to say, God, I want to be transformed by you. I am desperate for change. I want to receive your healing. This is the good soil. This is the good soil. This is when the seed takes root and it takes deep roots and he can work in soft soil. He can't work in hardened soil. Uh, there's a lot of new people here uh, that come in and out. If you haven't been baptized, baptism, I was saying about this, is a sign of my heart is softened. I don't have a hard heart anymore. I'm declaring in front of my church and my people and the others that call, uh, call me family and love me that I am a soft heart. And then I'm declaring to God, I am a soft heart. And you're dead to your old hard heart and up with a new soft heart. We're going to get some uh, baptisms up in here, um, but it's 27 degrees. I'm open to it. Like, Mar like we got lakes. Well, all of us have, like, Marty and I, we'll, we will dump you. I love it. I, it. It's not biblical, but I think there's something about the colder the water, the more it takes. So we're just joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But baptism is, is, is a thing where we declare our heart is softened to God. Good soil weeds, uh, good soil has weeds rooted out of them. Good soil has weeds rooted out of them. Good soil is free from weeds and roots uh, and, and rotten stuff. Often we see people wanting to add faith to their existing life. That is a problem. You are always going to run into problems when that's your attitude. Often we see people who want to say yes to Jesus and then the seed hits good soil, but then our thoughts and our actions and our values and our lifestyle doesn't change. We remain in bondage. We look like good soil, but we don't root out the stuff that God is trying to root out. And we get in bondage. We find ourselves in the bondage that we're already in. We begin to weed out the thorns and things that will eat us up. We weed out passivity. We weed out fear. We weed out greed. We weed out pride. We disobedience, independence, self-hatred, all gone in Jesus' name. You begin to root these things out. Anybody who's a gardener of any capacity, myself included, even though my yard looks terrible, like weeding is the worst part. 
It is awful. Let's just be honest. Like sometimes we go help Mama Bertha weed out for a little bit, and by ten minutes, I'm like, Mama, I'm tapping. This is this is awful. But if you don't do it, what do you have? Nothing grows. You have weeds. It just roots it out. That's true of our spiritual life. That's true of your not even your spiritual life, your normal life, right? Like if you just let these weeds keep going, whether you're a Christian or you're not, eventually it's going to come catch up with you. But as believers, it's the hard work that matters. It's the renewing of our minds. It's the walking in freedom. It's asking the Spirit to reveal these things. And through prayer and through discipleship and through spiritual practices, that soil begins to get better and better and better. It gets richer and deeper and ready to take on more and the harvest just keeps coming. Good soil is refreshed throughout the season. You know what's interesting? I often see it that people have a challenge in their life and they lean into faith. And this is not a, I'm going to use this example, but it's there's no like, we're not taking attendance at church, but you see them come to church for like three weeks and then everything kind of calms in their life and they're like deuces, I'm out of here and you won't see them for six more months until the challenges start to happen again. There is a soil that is always needing to be refreshed and this is not a, I'm in when it's convenient and I'm out when it's convenient. This is a God wants good soil that's getting refreshed over and over and over again. Older believers, we can get stale too. We use up all our nutrition and we're not refreshing it. And we think this is how it's always been. We get stuck in our ways and we don't get new soil and, and fresher soil that God wants to produce more crop through us. But we have to refresh our soil over and over again. We're not in the word. We're not worshiping. We're not in community. Whatever that looks like. Sometimes we forget what the Lord has done. You know what's interesting? I was thinking about this, and I don't think I've formed the whole thought, but I'm just going to go for it. What do gardeners mix into the soil? They mix the dead stuff. I remember the first time hearing about Tagro. Have you guys ever heard about Tagro? Oh, yeah. This is human waste with, oh, is it terrible? <laughs> well, pff. I'll share it. I don't know if it's good or not. I'm not making a judgment call here. But it's human waste with compost that you put on your yard. And it like, I've seen people that put it on their yard. It's like the yard, talk about a hundredfold. I mean, this is crazy. Their yards are like this. But what we see is that the dead stuff, when we root it out, all that begins to feed us more. The weeds we rooted out, the passivity that we got freed of, the lust that we got freed of, the worry and fear that we got free of, it learned, we learned to deepen our faith with it. It's this old dead stuff that in some way, like when we root it out, it feeds us even more. And what's interesting is that it feeds us from the inside. I'm going to invite the band up. There's two things that I want to just nail that you make sure that you know. One, if we are in part of this thing called faith, which I wanted to find again, not by a church, but a movement. I think that the Lord wants a movement to begin to happen in the South Sound. And I will say that of any church, that it's not just redeemed, any church, there's supposed to be a movement of God. How do we do that? We sow liberally. We don't worry about the soil. 
The soil's not our problem. The seed is, is, is the same. And this, the seed does the work that the seed's going to do. But what happens is we hold the seed to ourselves because we're worried about where that's going to fall, whether that's a hardened path or rocky soil or a place with thorns. We, we help each other create good soil at the same time. So the second thing is that we have to be refreshing our soil all the time. If you're a new believer here, I pray that you get plugged in as much as you can because I'm telling you, when that seed gets planted, everything the Satan is wanting to do is to pluck that out of you. And it's going to be the hardest time of your life. But if you power through the first time when the seed comes into your soil, I'm telling you, you're going to experience forgiveness and freedom and love like you have never experienced. Good soil is the goal. The seed is the seed. The message of the gospel has not changed. Jesus died on the cross for you and for me. He was buried and death couldn't hold him and he was raised. And because of that, he is the ultimate sacrifice and we have forgiveness of our sins. That's the message of the gospel. That's it. That's it. And sometimes when you just say that, not as aggressively as I did maybe, <laughs> but sometimes when you just say that, sometimes the seed just falls on good soil when you didn't think. And sometimes it's going to fall on hard soil. You know, that's okay. You know, I make a joke. I'm going to share it. But I make a joke all the time about Jonathan. I mean, it, the, Jonathan and Don, like, we're going to have to have a separate service for them because they just keep bringing people, and it's awesome. We love you guys. And he said in the, it was like, you know when God aligns stories to your sermon? He was in there. He's like, Kurt, I, I don't know what's happening. I just say, it's Jesus. Come to church. That was it. Some people say no. A lot of people say no. That's fine. But anybody that's having a hard time, they call him up. He's like, Hey, I, Jesus is the reason and come to church. And it's been awesome. But that's our call. Go ahead and stand up. I'm going to just pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this insight and the message that the kingdom of God, we are just like farmers that just sow. Lord, will you remove fear from us? Will you remove worry from us? And will you, Father, just help us to sow liberally? And Lord, we just thank you that you are so good. That, Lord, we, we sow out of your goodness. That, Father, that you would send your only son to die for us. You're such a good father. We love you. And, Lord, for anybody that's new, I pray for those who are right now, if there's anybody who are is new to their faith or, or even on just the, the edge of like, I, I want to believe, I pray right now for them that there's just soil work that gets done right now. I, I pray for courage and bravery to them, for them, that they would be brave enough to do the soil work. I pray for encouragement. I pray that they would be brave enough to reach out to somebody within this community and say, hey, I need some soil work done because I feel like the seed is taking root and I want to make sure that it takes root. So I pray right now for each person here that you know them by heart. And Holy Spirit, that you would begin to encourage them. I pray right now, if there's anybody in here who's on that verge, Lord, I'm just going to do this. Everyone... uh, shut their eyes. If there's anybody that is just on that verge of wanting to believe or they 
they're, they've kind of fallen off from belief. I just ask that you would just raise your hand. I'm just going to pray for you. If there's anybody who just needs to talk. Okay. It's a couple. Thank you. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I pray for these in particular who were courageous enough to raise their hand. Lord, I, I pray right now that, Lord, your seed, the message of the gospel would invade their space so powerfully this week. Lord, that they would have the courage to lean in, to know you more. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.